This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Live from the city that never sleeps. 17 miles from Madison Square Garden, New York City. It's America at Night with Rich Valdez, America's favorite late-night talk program featuring interesting guests from around the world and calls from across America. And now, here is your host, Rich Valdez. Hi there, good evening, and what's up, America? I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez on all of the social media. It's Friday night, and I'm happy to be here with you guys. Give us a call if you want to join our late-night national town hall conversation. The number, 833-4-VALDEZ, 833-4-VALDEZ. And uh, Democrats continue to seek redistricting in a few states trying to regain their uh, majority. Uh, getting out of the minority that they're currently in. And uh, we, we saw that a couple of weeks ago with uh, the uh, Supreme Court weighing in, and we're, we're seeing it again. And it seems to me that Democrats, and listen, I, I don't put it past Republicans, but it seems like Democrats are always fixated on, on their political power, right? It, it's not always about the issues. The issues are what drive the power with, with Republicans. And this is why, you see them getting on uh, caught right on the downside or on the getting the short end of the stick, I should say, of of ballot measures, of um, ballot harvesting, things like that, because that's just not the way most conservatives think. Right. They think like, look, leave me alone. Like Reagan said, get off my back, get out of my pocket. And they just want to live and let live. But the others, they believe in government. They believe in the strong uh arm of the government, the iron fist of the government. So that that's what they use. They use the government to beget more government, to beget more power. And uh, and we see it play out all the time. And it's like the art of war with Sun Tzu. Uh, he, uh, he, you know, he points out many things, but we have to think like they think, right? You have to think the way your enemy thinks in order to, to try and stay uh, a foot, a step ahead of them. Otherwise, you know, te chavate. You're screwed. Anyway, McCarthy uh, uh, made a, a comment in response to the 20 Republicans that voted to um, to not censure Adam Schiff and saying, look, here's his quote. He said, I think everybody knows my thoughts on Adam Schiff. And he said, that's why I removed him from the House Intelligence Committee. You have a number of members on principle that sat and argued for the last four years with President Trump that you had to have due process and voted that way. And I think that a number of them believe that they should have gone to the House Ethics Committee first. So anyway, uh, 
I think they should have censured Adam Schiff. Why not, right? But um, it didn't happen, and Representative Anna Luna is at it again. I know they're doing, uh, they made a second run at this, so I'll keep you posted as that begins to materialize as well. And then there's another story that's um, big today, big story today. Thousands of protesters um, were at Dodger Stadium protesting Pride Night because they hosted the nun group, right? Now, this was the nun group that we talked about last night, the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence. Uh, They're drag queens that dress as nuns. And uh, it's the whole point is to mock the, uh, the Christianity and the Catholic faith. So thousands of protesters showed up today, which uh, good for them, I say, right? Thousands of religious protesters. This is according to KTLA. Religious protesters held. It's, it's funny how when, you know, when it's protest for anything, it's just protesters. But when it's religious protesters, they, they want to put the emphasis here on thousands of religious protesters as if there's a negative connotation, which I'm pretty sure there is if you're not a religious, quote unquote, person. Anyway, held a prayerful procession outside Dodger Stadium Friday in response to the Dodgers honoring the um, nun group at their recent Pride event. The Los Angeles Dodgers will be honoring the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence with a Community Hero Award prior to their game against the San Francisco Giants. What a shame. The Sisters are a group of self-described queer and trans nuns who focus on philanthropic work while using humor and irreverent wit to expose the forces of bigotry, complacency, and guilt that chain the human spirit. That's a quote from their website as part of their mission statement. And all I could say is that uh, in their in their uh, mission statement, as I'm reading it, I can't help but think they themselves, right, they themselves are being bigoted towards the others that don't believe the way they do. Right? And, and the way you know that is by simply just looking at this, where they're, they're there to mock the others. I haven't seen a, a Catholic group that um, their purpose is to mock trans individuals or queer individuals. They may have differences. They may say that, you know, as part of their faith, they disagree with that lifestyle. But I haven't seen anybody openly mocking them in, in, a, in a ridiculous display like what, what they do to, to Catholics. So it's just um, a double standard like usual, and, and the media tries to always side on behalf of, uh, of the aggressor instead of the aggrieved. And it says here, they continue, they say, we're just here, all the faiths are standing united. And that's a quote from our friend Jesse Holguin, who was on this program recently, uh, the uh, former gang member uh, turned activist, uh, Jesse Holguin, Holguin told KTLA, we're very angry that the Dodgers invited this group uh, that mocked our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. The rally was organized by Catholics for Catholics and had music speakers and um, prayers and was held in the parking lot. So uh, we'll get a little update on this. If we could connect with Jesse Holguin, we definitely will to get an update on exactly what happened. But that's a big story that's circulating today. Thousands uh, ascended on the parking lot at Dodger Stadium to let their voices be heard. And good for them for doing so. Now, in other news, Trump, 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 right? It's Trump mania all over the place. Everybody wants to, um, to get a piece of El Trumpito. And he uh, did speak out today 
Again, echoing what he's been saying in recent days. Listen to this. It's no coincidence that these fake charges against me came down the very same day evidence revealed Joe Biden, a very crooked president, took a $5 million bribe from Ukraine. Now, there's no coincidence whatsoever, and he took plenty more than that. So now President Trump maintains his innocence, and he says that this whole thing needs to be dropped by the Department of Justice. His legal team has filed that motion uh, to um, dismiss, as far as I understood, as of um, their court date on Tuesday. And uh, Judge Cannon has, uh, I not, as far as I understand, hasn't ruled on that, or they intend to, to motion to dismiss. But what she did rule on was every lawyer that is going to be involved has to get the appropriate security clearance, and that had to be filed as, uh, as of today, Friday. So we'll keep you posted on everything that's going on uh, with El Trompito Donaldus Magnus, the 45th president of these United States, El Presidente. Now, there's a couple of things I want to get into tonight. Um, many things, but the first of which, uh, there's a law in Texas that now keeps the smut out of the classroom. And uh, Kimberly Fletcher, she's the founder and president of Moms for America. She's going to join us to tell us all about it. So don't move a muscle. Keep it locked right here. I am Rich Valdez. It's America at night. This is America at night with Rich Valdez. America at Night with Rich Valdez. What they're doing in North Carolina is they are working to take the formulation of the school curriculum away from the State Board of Education and give it to some appointed political board. We all know where that's going. We've Mm -hmm. seen book bans and whitewashing of history and culture wars getting into the classroom. This is why I declared a state of emergency in public education in North Carolina because of the confluence of all of these issues that are being debated right now in the General Assembly. These decisions are going to be made over the next few weeks. I want the people of North Carolina to talk with their legislators, to email them, to let them know that they want support for our public schools and our public school teachers, that they don't want culture wars in the classroom. And they want to make sure that our public schools are strong. Now, that's the governor of Roy Cooper, uh, excuse me, the governor of North Carolina, Roy Cooper, uh, defending the inclusion of sexually explicit books in schools, uh, arguing that uh, parents don't have a right to move their kids away from failing schools. And um, as, as you heard him just put that out there. But, you know, some moms and parents across America are fighting back and and they're finding some wins, right? You got a win coming out of, excuse me, Texas, where a law was passed to keep the smut out of the classroom, right? And there's a quote here from a country music superstar who was recently on the show, John Rich. He says, if you can't show it on TV and can't air it on the radio, it shouldn't be in the classroom. I I think I agree with that. But Moms for America, big, uh, huge network of hundreds of thousands of moms played an instrumental role in securing the passage of HB 900, 
known as the Reader Act, and a the uh, new law requires schools to adhere to the same standards of decency that the Federal Communications, the FCC, so meaning what we use here on the radio, uh, imposes on television and radio programming. The bill is also being considered by other state legislatures around the country, and I think that's a huge win because we've seen it time and time again where parents are showing up even at school board meetings and they start citing material from these books that their children have access to, and they're told, all right, cut their mic, or they're told, don't say that. There's people here. It's a family thing, whatever. It's a public forum, and everybody's freaking out about you know the the garbage and uh, perverse and oftentimes pornographic material that that young kids are getting in these books. So the founder of Moms for America, Kimberly Fletcher, she's with us and she's going to walk us through exactly what what happened here. Kimberly Fletcher, welcome. Thank you so much. And I, I cannot express enough just how big of a win this was. I, you know, we, we have seen moms, we, they call us and talk to us. I've been in school board meetings myself when the moms are reading what their children are being exposed to and they're told they can't because it's on public TV. Some of them have been escorted out and some even in handcuffs because they refuse to stop reading what their children are being exposed to. So when John, I met with John in, in January and we were talking about what can we do to protect the kids and he he said i observed (laughs) that the things that they are pushing in the children's schools cannot be in the tv and radio and he said it just it just clicked and i said well let's take this to texas because texas is in legislation session only every other year it's an off year it's a perfect time let's dive in there so we pulled a bunch of our moms together perla hopkins was just amazing our state director and we went and we met with a, a, the a representative there who was uh, picking up the bill, Jared Patterson. And um, we told him, yeah, they have all these obscenity bills. And we said, you know, you only really need one, <laughs> one that, that will include all of these things to protect our kids. And he ran with it. And we were just thrilled it made it all the way to the governor's uh, signature. Now, Kimberly Fletcher, founder and president of Moms for America, it, was this solely an idea that hatched uh, with you and John Rich, or is, is, did you find a big reception when you announced it to the rest of your membership? Well, we had to ter- we had to keep it quiet. Mm-hmm. So we we of course within you know the national team we sat down and we talked about it. We worked about on strategy. I went and talked to our state team. And everybody was really excited about it. We didn't want it to get out in the in the national sphere until it was actually signed because so many things can happen. You get worried about, you know, is this representative going to fight over, you know, is my name on it, is your name on it? And then it gets to the Senate and they've got to have their names on it. But really, there were just a lot of really great people that we worked with. Everybody just kind of referred to Jared Patterson when it came to the, quote, obscenity bills. And so we had... He had several bills on his desk, and I said, let's just pick the, the best one and, and, and refine it to make sure it does everything it needs to do. And, and he just had an incredible bill. And then when it got to Senate, uh, there was kind of some pushback. Let's, let's use the Senate bill. And we're like, no, 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 we want this one. So it made it all the way. And five times on the, on the, uh, during the hearing and on the floor, Jared Patterson said, it's pretty simple, people. <laughs> you can't show it on TV and you can't air it in the radio, you can't have it in the classroom. And it was such a winning argument that when it passed through the House, 10 Democrats voted yes for it as well. And that was pretty exciting. And then, of course, it went through the Senate and, and the governor signed it. 
Wow. Well, and, and again, you know, it's it's uh, it's of course it's a huge win, and I think it's always a big win when you get something that's so commonsensical like this is right it's rare that you get something that makes so much sense and actually works oftentimes they you know they die in committee or whatever because they make so much sense so i'm, I'm glad that you're able to pull that off now what what type of traction are you getting now that you've um, gotten this passed in texas and uh i know that you're promoting it with other state houses how's that going it's actually going pretty fantastically well <laughs> so um, it has actually gone through both the both houses in Louisiana, and it's on the governor's desk ready to be signed, and that should be any day. We have six other states that it is in queue in some form or fashion in their legislature, and I have spoken with eight different members of Congress, and they are very excited about this. And when, when I talk about Congress, anybody who knows the Constitution realizes you know, that they have no control. The federal government has no control over the states or the schools you know, counties, whatever. Mm-hmm. But I said, you know what, that's true. And and I'm bringing this to you, not because you have jurisdiction over that. I'm bringing it to you because you have a bucket of money that the left is constantly using against us to push their nefarious ideas through bribery and blackmail. So let's turn the tables and use it on them for a change. If you're not following the FCC standard, which is a federal standard, then you're, we're not going to we're not going to give you your money and and we're not going to give you money. If you do, well, then we'll send you more money. And so let's use it. And so they're looking at doing that as well. And at least it's getting traction. The best thing about this is that parents um, now, especially moms who are showing up in mass at these school board meetings, we now have something, a tool where we can protect our children. We can go to them and saying, you're breaking the law. And it isn't just about the books or the digital learning that they're getting online, it's also about what comes out of the teacher's mouth or who they bring into the classroom to to push this on our children. This is really, really big win and a model legislation that we can take across the country. So we are very excited about it. And in effect, what you've done is you've put a target on the FCC now, right? Because now the left and the LGBTQI plus movement and all of them are now going to go after the FCC to expand what you can put on television so that they can have that in classrooms and they could still have their way. But I- <laughs> that, was, that was my daughter's concern. They're going to change the FCC standards so that they can push it in. Well, one of the main points of this bill really was to take away the protection of education. And and in fact, there's a, there's a couple of bills that, that have come out in, in other states. And uh, well, Texas um, also signed HB 18. The governor signed that. That got through legislation. And that was to protect children online from all these, you know, crazy pernicious ideas that are pushed on them, body shaming and everything else. And of course, the pornographic ideas. And they had this bill was great because it said, you know, if you're under 18, you have to have parental permission to be able to access these sites. Mm -hmm. But it had a clause in there that said uh, there was an exception that if you distributed, largely distributed educational material, you were accepted. You were exempt. Well, that's what's well, Kimberly Fletcher, hang on right there. I want to just let everybody know that we're on with Kimberly Fletcher, president of Moms for America. We're discussing HB18 now, and uh, we're coming right back. Don't go anywhere. 833-4-VALDEZ is the number. 833-4-VALDEZ. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, 
Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford anything, wherever you listen. America at Night with Rich Valdez. All right, America, welcome back. It's Rich Valdez, and our guest is Kimberly Fletcher, president of Moms for America, uh, discussing a big win that they just had in Texas where they passed the, um, the, the latest law that ties what can be taught in school curriculums and what can be discussed in classrooms to what we can say on the radio. So if you can't say it on radio, you can't say it in the classroom. These uh, FCC guidelines are are good for somebody, thank God. <laughs> and it's a bad day for groomers because Texas also banned children from social media content without parental consent. We're talking about a bill called HB18 that was signed this week by Governor Abbott. Kimberly Fletcher, let's continue. Yeah, so that kind of ties directly in with the FCC standard bill, the HB 900, because when it's there's the one clause that says there's an exemption in HB 18 if you're under 18, that if it is they largely distribute the companies largely distribute educational material, then they're exempt from that parental control, which would have caused us grave concern had it not been for the FCC standard bill. So they both Mm. check each other, which really you're right. The groomers beware because. Moms are coming. And also another great bill that passed in Texas was uh, Senate Bill 15, where it was protecting women's sports. And we just did a press conference in Washington, D.C. about this, another common sense thing that should not be an issue. And we had um, members of Congress and several international and national sports, female sports figures who came and shared their own stories of not just not being able to, to compete fairly, which is a big deal, but also having to undress in these, in these, you know, locker rooms with with men. Complete, they're men. Okay, they are men. Could somebody say they are men? And it's just the common sense of this. So I, I said, you know, one of the things we need to do is we need to tell parents if you want to turn this around, you do it by teaching your children. They'll rise up and say no, and you just read to them the emperor's new clothes every day, so that they'll just go out and start telling everybody, hello, the emperor's naked. Put some clothes on the dude. <laughs> That's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, you know, Kimberly Fletcher, I think that's, that's an excellent idea. And I'm, I'm really happy that we're seeing groups like yours uh, really take up some traction because and, and really make some some headway, because I know that for a while, as you were always making waves, but there was also, um, you know, the government getting in the way and putting threat tags on parents and trying to stifle the speech of parents that were organizing. Did you face a lot of problems with that? We did actually uh, quite a bit, unfortunately. It, it's it's kind of nice, though. I have to say, I'm not, I'm I'm really happy about where we are right now 
because we do have a voice and we and we have this army of moms that have been uniting across the country prior to 2020 everybody just looked at me like a helicopter parent with a tinfoil hat and i'm ringing the bell trying to warn people in 2020 it was like god showed this big beacon spotlight on all the evil and and all these moms are like oh my gosh kimberly wasn't crazy it's really happening and so they you know just started flooding to our website and saying what can we do and it, it kind of stemmed in, in 2019, I got a phone call from a mom in Northern Virginia, and she said, my daughter is 13 years old. She got this book that she's supposed to read in school called Lawn Boy. Do you know what's in here? And I said, yes, ma'am, I do. And she said, what am I supposed to do? And I said, well, I'll take you, tell you what to do. You go to the school board and you read that book for your allotted three minutes. She didn't know anything about the school board or how it worked or the impact that that had. So I explained it all to her, and she went to the school board. She read the book. And that was one of those first months in Loudoun County that was out there reading. And then they just they just took took flight. And I said, you know, unite with other parents. Read today. They won't believe you. No one would believe that this was actually happening unless you read it to them yourself. But what was really great about that whole kind of, you know, movement there is the media reported on it. And that's the really big thing here. We've been going to school board meetings and talking about this for years, but we didn't have the massive amounts of parents who realized what was actually going on. And then we didn't have the media reporting on it when these moms were having wins in Loudoun County. And those two things together set a grass fire across this country. And moms have just literally mobilized in a mom-led revolution to protect our kids, our freedoms, and our families. Well, kudos to you for the work you're doing, because I think you've ignited a lot of people to be activists, uh, and not just moms. And, of course, I think moms are the 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 tip of the spear here they're definitely on the front lines and and doing the heavy lift but i've seen so many people get involved even you know programs like mine you know i have contemporaries that i grew up with that know that i work in talk radio and they're just like oh yeah you know rich does this thing where he talks about the news or politics and they've never listened to my show they could care less about politics very apolitical people um don't really care about this however in recent months people have come to me what time is your show on when can i listen do you know what they're doing in my kids school and and, and they just start telling me stuff that i've been talking about for a while myself and, and i just find that it's there's a shift i see a movement amongst parents who are not even interested in having this fight but they're just like you know what this isn't cool and you know i think eventually when you back a parent up um it's instinct it's whatever it is you know uh I think every parent inherently is going to defend their child the best way they know how to. And, and as the movements of the left, I'll just, you know, collectively call them the left move and encroach upon parents. I think parents have no choice, but to react, to protect their young, even the people that aren't parents. I mean, there's a group out there called gays against groomers that I've seen making some traction. And I'm thinking, wow, look at that. Uh, we, we've seen uh, even the LGBTQ community with response to the the people that were streaking at the White House over the weekend and going topless uh, in the ellipse, uh, putting pressure on those trans individuals for, for doing that, saying, hey, you're, you're making all of us look bad because of what you did at the White House. So I think there, there's just, um, you know, a lot of interesting um, components to this, and it all started with mom saying enough is enough. Well, you know what's really great about this is, is the guys, you know, you, the men have, have always been out there getting involved, getting in, in, in elections, at least, you know, voting and sure. the much larger measure than moms. But now we're we're on the in the fight, too, because I, I, I'll tell you a great thing that I saw was uh, during the 2021 election in Virginia. 
when, you know, moms just mobilize, we, we were a big part of that and helping get the information out there, mobilize moms, give them their voice. But we have one of our um, team leads up there in Virginia, lives in Northern Virginia, in Alexandria, across from um, a couple of neighbors who are very Democrat, liberal-leaning. And they had, um, not only did they support, you know, Democrat candidates like Obama and, and Hillary Clinton, but they held big fundraisers for them in their homes. Well, my, you know, my friend is very conservative, but their kids play together. So I figured out a way to work it out and it all worked. But what was, what was, what she brought to my attention was in the 2020 election, these two families that were adamantly Democrat supporting these candidates had Yunkin signs in their front yards because you don't tell any mama they aren't your kids. And that's what's really going on here. It is a movement that crosses all political barriers, all education backgrounds, races. It doesn't matter because you do not stand between a mother and her child. Outstanding. Kimberly Fletcher, president of Moms for America. We're coming right back. I want you to tell us a little bit more about the organization. And if you have a question for her, the, now's the time. 833-4-VALDEZ is the phone number. 833-4-VALDEZ. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. America. Welcome back. Rich Valdez. Let's go to our caller, Steve in Atlanta, Georgia, with a question for Kimberly Fletcher, president of Moms for America. Steve, go right ahead quickly. Uh, hey, um, so real quick, um, I took on a guy. He's 31. He's an ex-felon, right? He has a wife, two kids, and um, he I mean, he's been working on with me for, what, two days now? And he's going to be awesome because he, he was on track. He, anyway, uh, new career for this guy. I'm really excited about him for him. I met him two years ago and told him he needed to be a plumber then. What's the question for Kimberly Fletcher? And the question for Kim is, is uh, he and his wife both understand that their two kids are being taught the LGBT stuff, and he's really pissed about mm. it. And I was wondering if there's any sort of a resource on the website that um, does this pod thing for teaching kids at home where the parents can team up together uh, and, and create these pods. All right. Thank you, Steve. Good question. Kimberly? Yeah. So actually we um, were part of, I was personally part of putting together parent, uh, uh, parent, what is it? Public, sorry, public school exit. And public school exit is a great resource. And one of the tabs on there is, you know, if you want to leave school, what are your options? And it has a plethora of options on there. How do you start a pod? How do you connect? One of the things that we did personally is we connected uh, in Michigan particularly teachers who wanted to teach with parents who were looking for teachers who wanted to start a pod who then uh, were, we were able to connect them with a church that opened their doors to allow them to be able to have schools and classrooms there. So it's, it's the idea and the concepts, you know, are all online, especially at public school exit, but you really do it on the local level. And that's, what's really exciting about this unite together with other parents in your community. And you would be surprised you already have everything that you need right where you are. And, and we are happy to provide you with tools, ideas, and resources to get you started. 
Kimberly, would you let Steve know uh, what um, what website he should go to? Would that be your website where he could start off? Yeah, they can come to momsforamerica.us. We have a, an Empower Moms section, and when you click on that, it, it tells you everything. If you want to take your pull your kids out of school, we tell you how to do it safely, effectively, what your options are, how to start some of these pods. If you want to keep your kids in school, how to keep them protected, how to show up at the school board meetings and defend them. If you want to serve on the school board, if you want to, if you run, want to run for school board, we provide incredible exceptional resources and training in all of those areas. So if you're looking to be empowered, uh, come to momsforamerica.us, click on Empower Moms, and that will get you going. Thank you, Kim. Steve, great question. Thank you for your call. Godspeed to your new uh, employee. Hope everything works well. Now, Kimberly Fletcher, in the couple of minutes that we have remaining, I'm I'm just curious to know, it seems like you're really steeped in this. You're, you're getting legislative wins. You've ignited parents across the country, moms in particular, to, to take action. Did you just wake up one day and and decide this is what I want to do? Or is this years in the making of you, you know, being involved in the grassroots efforts? Oh, I think it's kind of a little of both. So I didn't wake up one day, but there was a wake-up moment. Uh, what started my journey was 2001. My husband was stationed at the Pentagon on 9-11. And through a series of miracles, literal miracles, he came home safe that day. And it was a major wake-up call for me. And that was the day that I went from being patriotic to being a patriot. And I started to read and grasp on everything I could get my hands on, on America's history and heritage, the Constitution, things that I should have learned in school, and I didn't. And for the next three years, it was like I was just, I, I was engrossed in everything I could find on America's history and heritage. And then in 2004, I just felt this weight on my heart, like, like I, God was calling me to start a national organization. And I'm like, what do I know? I'm just a mom, you know? And, and my mom was like, we'll call it that, you know? And so I just took a leap of faith and I started Moms for America in a living room in Dayton, Ohio with 27 women. Those were our first members. And within um, about six months, we had at least one mom in every state. And I'm like, I have a national membership now. What do I do? And just, it was a course of over the years developing, looking and seeing what was needed, what was missing. And, realizing in 2012 it all comes down to the home the family and the moms and that's when we launched our signature program the cottage meeting project and that is what gets moms really excited and engaged and because we were able to put those programs together when 2020 hit it was already there and ready for them when they needed it and that was just a blessing we call it the quiet years to protect for the the time when we needed to really go to battle Outstanding work. Well, Kimberly Fletcher, Godspeed to you and the work that you're doing, and as well as the moms that you represent. Uh, I thank you for the work that you're doing. And just let everybody know one more time how they could follow you and where they could uh, learn more about Moms for America. Absolutely. Come to momsforamerica.us at the bottom of the website or all our social media channels. You can connect with us there. Uh, momsforamerica.us. Outstanding. Well, thank you. And I hope to have you back on soon. It was really informative. Fantastic. Thank you. All right, folks, your calls and more coming up straight ahead, plus additional conversation on what's going on with Bud Light. They seem to be in a spiral now. People are saying it was a conspiracy from within. They wanted to destroy the brand, and this was the fastest way to do it. Who comes up with this stuff? Anyway, don't go anywhere. I'm Rich Valdez. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez.
America at Night with Rich Valdez. All right, America, welcome back. And listen to this. This is the stuff that you find on the Internet, right? People Magazine. It's probably my fault for looking at People Magazine. But uh, I'm always interested in seeing, you know, what, what, what is considered uh, the big story of the day. Listen to this. Jennifer Lawrence, she's an actress in Hollywood. Her mom sold her used toilet on Craigslist. <laughs> the star of the new comedy No Hard Feelings reveals that Lee Eisenberg the writing partner of the movie's director, Gene Stepinski, purchased the old commode. So one of the, I guess, uh, one of the um, uh, directors of the movie bought bought her toilet. Now, listen, I, I, I like memorabilia as much as the next guy. Some of the stuff that I like, I like pieces and parts of radio stations, right? So, like, if you told me that you had a on-air light from, I don't know, from WIOD when Larry King used to host his show there, I would say, I want it. <laughs> you know, how much is it? Uh, I would try to get my hands on it because I like I liked that type of nostalgia. And being that I, I came into something that I love, talk radio, and I've, I've gotten uh, an opportunity to be mentored and work with so many great uh, legends and titans in talk radio, you know, I, I have a, cool, a few cool pieces of this and that every now and again. Uh, but um, that's the stuff I like. But I, I can't see somebody saying, hey, I've got L. Rushbow's toilet or I've got Howard Stern's old bathroom sink. I, I could not imagine uh, me making a play for one of those. But that's what's going on. Anyway, it turns out the uh, 32-year-old actress who uh, has a little baby now, 16-month-old son, um, has her own strange story. She says that years ago, uh, Lee Eisenberg bought the toilet on Craigslist from her mom and now is a, uh, you know, big time Hollywood writer. So the revelation, um, <laughs> this is from the article, elicited a whoa from uh, her co-star and joined her for the interview. Uh, I, I got to tell you, the things that get people in Hollywood excited, I don't know. I don't know. I'm, I'm not sold on this. Anyway, uh, straight ahead, we're going to get into um, some interesting conversation on Bud Light, what the latest with Bud Light is. Plus, I don't know if you've heard about this, but there were some Americans that died at a resort in Mexico. And it turns out they weren't the uh, only ones dying there. Apparently, this place has a, a record uh, of, um, of, of, I guess, bad stays, we'll call it, right? Uh, and and they, they call it the the hangover test. So we're going to get into that a little bit uh, as well. But the topic of Bud Light is an interesting one to me because I, we've seen, you know, with like we just discussed with Kimberly Fletcher from Moms for America, there's a lot of parents that are really just fed up with what's going on there with lots of things, right? We've seen it at the school board meeting that was in California not too long ago uh, where the parents got into a fist fight over this stuff because there were these masked LGBTQ people that some are saying were Antifa antagonists, and it certainly looked that way. Uh, you've, you've got the Dodger Stadium uh, protest that's going on. There's so much uh, back and forth in the culture wars, and i got to say, I love it. I think it's great when you have somebody pushing one side of the story and then somebody saying, you know what, I don't like your side of the story, so I'm going to push back, and I believe that's what it's about, right? That's really what America is. 
I, I'm never going to sit here and say you can't have your free speech. You can't go and protest. You can't go and try to indoctrinate our youth because obviously they can. Right. And they and they won the the left, the socialists, the communist sympathizers, the most liberal have won, especially on the university campus. Right. And that's really where I mean, like where they've won. They've taken that battlefield and they've won that one. Doesn't mean they've won the war. That's why the rest of us are here to have these conversations and figure out what our next step is going to be to maintain tradition, protect our families, protect our children, that type of thing. So my friend, she's a fashion model and a radio host in New York City, Zen Sam. She's joining me next and we're going to have an excellent conversation. So don't go anywhere. There's more to come straight ahead. From the city that never sleeps. 17 miles from Madison Square Garden, New York City. It's America at Night with Rich Valdez. America's favorite late night talk program. Featuring interesting guests from around the world. And calls from across America. And now, here is your host, Rich Valdez. Hi there, good evening, and what's up, America? I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez on all of the social media, your liberty-loving Latino amigo. And if you want to join our national late-night town hall conversation, feel free to do so. Our number is 833-4-VALDEZ, 833-4-VALDEZ. Of course, uh, we continue to see what's going on with uh, people revolting against um, the decision by the Dodgers in California to host and honor the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence. Of course, this is a group of drag queens posing as nuns, and uh, the Dodgers have elected to host them as part of their um, Pride Month celebration, and their honoring them as, I don't, I forget what exactly what they were honoring them, uh, you know, like some sort of community hero type of award. And of course, thousands of people have joined the protest against that saying, oh, we're not, we don't enjoy this. This is not good. And Karine uh, Jean-Pierre, the White House press secretary, she's also chimed in on the culture wars. Here's what she had to say. There's a lot of things that are happening in this country. A lot of things. There's a lot of things that are happening in this country. A lot of things. It is unprecedented. It is scary. We're in Pride Month, where the LGBTQ plus community is literally under attack. Literally. Now, while they're not literally under attack, and <laughs> Karine Jean-Pierre, that was pretty scary. There's a lot of things. She just sounded really off today, but um, they're not under attack. But I think traditional values are under attack. And you've got a, uh, a teacher in San Francisco who was suspended for targeting white male students because of certain music that she played in the classroom. We'll get to that a little bit later. Uh, but what comes to mind for me is the good old clash of 
the people versus Bud Light, right? And now a former Anheuser-Busch executive is saying that Bud Light, um, the backlash isn't going away. Their, their sales have now dropped for a fifth week in a row. This former executive is warning that the Bud Light backlash is probably going to be a, a fixture for, for the near future because they're still not making money. Saying this, consumers feel like they're having an impact, and every single week the sales numbers are being reported, and they're getting worse and worse every single week. So I see this continuing to drag on until Bud Light makes a comment about what they stand for and what customers they're trying to serve. And that's former Anheuser-Busch executive Anson Frerichs. Like Fredericks without a D, Frerichs. Uh, and he said that on the Fox News channel. So I want to get into the culture wars and what's going on with Bud Light and everything in between with uh, my good friend Zen Sams. She's a model and a radio host, and she does lots of amazing work in New York City. Check out her show. It's called A Moment of Zen. Zen Sams, welcome. Hey, Rich. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing fantastic. Always happy to have you on the program. So tell me, what are your thoughts on this um, Bud Light stuff? Do you think that this is a flash in the pan and eventually people are going to get over it? Do you think people are going to continue to to boycott Bud Light? Uh, I can tell you for me, I was recently at a talk radio conference and they had a bucket of Bud Light and a bucket of some other brand. And there were a group of guys and they, they, you know, they were like, come here. (laughs) So I walked over to them and they were like, we're taking bets on who's going to be the first one to grab the Bud Light. So I stood there like in a circle, with these guys watching that bucket for a couple of minutes and nobody touched the Bud Light. So it seems that the the boycott is, is, um, is still running strong. Yeah, it's in full force. The boycott is in full force. They are not going to back down. And by the way, the, the who drinks Budweiser? Who drinks Bud Light? Men. And for them to have a transgender ambassador sell their products is either they're complete idiots at hand. They need to, you know, redo their marketing campaign or this was intentional because all of this drama over Dylan Mulvaney and an American liger. This is what we're talking about. The last two weeks. Americans have worked themselves into a tizzy, a tizzy over this Anheuser-Busch marketing campaign featuring, you know, Dylan Mulvaney. And we're going to get into who he is in just a minute. But he promoted the company's easy calorie contest on social media. To reiterate, a company put a trans woman in a marketing campaign and things immediately escalated to the point of Kid Rock destroying cases of watery beer with an AR-15. Jesus, Lord, Rich, what a time to be alive. So if you're not a regular TikTok user, (laughs) if you're not a regular TikTok user, you may not even know who Dylan Mulvaney is at this point in America. I hope you do. But since March of last year, Dylan was an actor who theater gays may have seen previously in the touring production of the Book of Mormon. And now Dylan obviously has been documenting her transition in the last year in this video diary series Mm. titled days of girlhood. Right. And it's a ridiculous slogan because Dylan is 26 years old and discusses the the frustrations and surprises of her second puberty to an audience of millions. This is not puberty. You are 26 years old, Dylan. And so if you look at what this is about, 
Now, let's talk about the collaboration because you would have well, to before think we get that- into that, Zen, I just want to jump in and say part of the backlash I feel with Dylan Mulvaney in particular is the fact that he's 26 and or she and and is posing as a teenage girl. Right. It's not just like, Correct. hey, I identify as a woman and I'm 26. It's I identify as like a teen girl. And I think a lot of people have taken exception to this being that he's a 26 year old biological male. Correct. This is nuts. This is this goes beyond comprehension. And this is the ridicule behind it, because when Anheuser-Busch partnered with Mulvaney, they wanted to boost their what they called the, the easy carry contest. And they were offering customers a chance at fifteen thousand dollars for uploading videos of them carrying as many cans mm-hmm. of beer as possible. And to promote the contest, Dylan uploaded a sponsored video in which she appears in an Audrey Hepburn getup and goops on March Madness. And then the company released a special line of Pride-themed cans with various pronouns to coincide with Pride Week. Now, to sweeten the pot, Rich, and celebrate the one-year anniversary of Mulvaney's transition, they also sent Mulvaney a special can of Bud Light featuring her face and a message on the top of the can reading cheers to 365 days of being a woman, referencing Mulvaney in her Days of Girlhood series. Again, Days of Girlhood series. So the conspiracy theories are now starting to pour in to your headlines. So the, the, the partnership, which is extremely controversial, is now touted as being a strategic attempt to permanently alter the brand's audience. And this is according to an anonymous former employee. So Budweiser, let's go back. They came under fire in April after the post that Mulvaney's Instagram account was tagged in featuring, you know, the the personalized Bud Bud Light can. Now, the backlash in response to partnering with Dylan led to a massive slump in sales, like massive, like historical. And the company's CEO insisted, and this is the key part, that it never intended to be part of a discussion that divides people. Now, this is what the, this ex-Anheuser-Busch worker suggested the, the, the move was intentional. He says, what are you talking about? What do you mean it was never intended to be part of a discussion that divides people? This is the entire campaign. So they're saying it was a strategic attempt to permanently alter the brand's audience. Now, one would say, why? Why would you want to lose millions and millions of dollars? Well, I'll tell you why. So... Here's the bottom line. The whistleblower remarked that many of them knew exactly what was going to happen. It was a strategic destruction of Bud Light. Now, again, this is what he's saying. When they bought over, Bud, let's let's go back. They were bought over by InBev. So Anheuser-Busch was bought over by InBev. And a lot of things changed from when it was owned by Anheuser-Busch, because Anheuser-Busch really had it as an American brand. Now, he explained that the company previously offered many benefits prior to its purchase by InBev. And through the fall in sales for the Bud Light brand, the former employee stated, again, this is what he's saying, that the corporation could restructure both employee benefits and its company standards through layoffs and renegotiating contracts. So this guy is coming out and he's saying that this is intentional, This was a a self-smear campaign to plummet the company so they could basically restructure, lay off, and recontract the contracts that they have under InBev, not under Anheuser-Busch. Now, this is a very far stretch, but this is what is trending right now. I would have to believe 
that this could actually be accurate because you would have to be an idiot to put Dylan Mulvaney as the face of Anheuser-Busch's Bud Light. Yeah, you know, and Zen Sams, I think sometimes, just like in politics, every now and again, you have something that happens that's unfortunate, and you can either try to quickly recover or you can say, let's see how we can make this worse, you know, <laughs> or, or as um, yeah. the former chief of staff at the White House uh, to Obama said, never let a good crisis go to waste. And I could see how a very savvy business leader could say, hey, look, we're losing money on this. This might be exactly what we need to lay off exactly. thousands of people and go in there. The brand wasn't doing that great to begin with. So we could blame it on Dylan Mulvaney and the culture wars and end up, you know, renegotiating and doing what we do. And maybe we rebrand Bud Light with a new, uh, you know, at the end of the day, it's, it's just a new brand. I don't know if that makes sense to me, but does it, I see how it could make sense if, I guess, if you know the numbers. Uh, I would have thought Bud Light was, you know, probably America's best-selling beer, and I think it was up until this happened, and now it's been replaced by Modelo. So that part of it makes me think that it, it, it this is more damage control and them saying, all right, we screwed up. We had no idea this was going to be so bad with Dylan Mulvaney. But now that we're screwed so badly, we might as well figure out how to, you know, make this work for us by firing a lot of people. I agree. I think that's what's up. And it's so sad because they played with fire and they got burned. That's the bottom line. That America doesn't want to see this. America doesn't want to see transgender ideologies pushed upon a population. They just don't want it. They don't want to push on the kids. They don't want to push on on religious groups. They don't want to push on men who drink beer they just want real good you know fun times at a party drink a can of beer we don't want a face associated to budweiser never had faces associated to sure they had models sure they had good looking women in campaigns but that but what 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 brand has not had that so to then go and do something so polarizing to stick a trans gender person's face who i bet you dylan mulvaney doesn't even drink beer i bet you he drinks fancy cocktails with umbrellas in them that's yeah, funny. And, you know, I'm thinking if Starbucks were to do this, it probably would have went over a lot better. But I think just Bud Light 100%. was the wrong product. Folks, we're on with Zen Sams. She's a radio host out of New York. She's the host of A Moment of Zen. You got to check out her program. It's a really good one. And uh, we're going to continue our conversation because there were some people streaking at the White House. All right. Maybe they were just going topless uh, on the ellipse at the White House. But um, bad enough. And they've been under fire ever since uh, now issuing a full apology they're saying, you know, sorry for doing what we did. Now, we played a little bit of that apology yesterday, uh, but it seems like pressure is continuing to mount against folks that are really upset with what Rose Montoya and others did at the Pride celebration at the White House. We're going to discuss that straight ahead, as well as a couple other topics with our guest, Zen Sams. Don't go anywhere. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. With Rich Valdez. I want to take this moment to apologize for the impact of my actions. I especially want to apologize to my black trans brothers and siblings, especially transgender women who are black, because I understand that you all are constantly at a disproportionate level impacted 
by the actions of others and especially by anti-trans violence. I would also like to apologize to my family and friends who have been harassed. I would also like to apologize to my own community, the 2SLGBTQPIA plus community. And last <laughs> but not least, I would like to apologize to the president, the White House, and the nation. It was also never my intention to create a situation that would lead to harassment and harm of myself and others, nor for trans joy, like my little moment of trans joy to be weaponized by vile people of the opposition. That's trans influencer Rose Montoya saying again, sorry that uh, uh, for the topless um, pictorial debut <laughs> that was made at the White House. And, uh, you know, I'm glad that even folks in the trans and LGBT communities are coming after Rose Montoya for doing that, because you've got to be out of your mind. It doesn't matter what it is in, that you stand for. You don't go to the White House and start streaking, in my opinion. Zen Sams is the host of A Moment of Zen. Zen Sams, what do you make of all this? Yeah, you definitely don't go to the White House streaking. Bad judgment call there. Um, and no one liked it. And America uproared. And th the White House agreed that this was not appropriate. So, you know, uh, the, the more we allow th this behavior to take place, the more that we will see the stupidity underlying the behavior. So if it plays out the way it keeps playing out, America will realize on their own that this is not normal nor acceptable. And at some point, somebody's going to say enough is enough, just the same way that the White House did. You know, it takes a lot for the White House to cave to right wing to right wing pressure. And you wouldn't think that it's just right wing pressure. They caved to universal pressure. Right. Montoya uses she they pronouns. She Again, she was invited to the White House's Pride celebration. The fact that the White House is even having a Pride celebration, that aside, she was invited there. That was her moment. But to, to, to take a moment like that and to just destroy everything that you could have going for you as a transgender, uh, you know, she, they, woman, whatever you want to call yourself, you just proved America's own fact that this is actually insanity. So she, she came out and she said, or he came out and he said, I don't even know what's correct anymore, Rich. I'm so confused. But mm -hmm. she said, they said, why is my chest now deemed inappropriate or illegal when I show it off? However, before coming out as a trans, it was not, they said. So all, they're, all we're doing, America, is affirming that I, Rose, Monta Rose Montoya, I am a woman. And all you're doing is saying that trans women are women because for some reason people like to sexualize women's bodies and say that they are inappropriate. This is what mm -hmm. Montoya was quoted saying. Like, even the, like, the fact that you're, you're, you're putting these quotes out as a woman is mind-boggling to me. Because right. a, and you woman know, Zen Sam's, a woman honestly, wouldn't put these quotes out. I, I, I don't believe that this is about a woman being topless. I think this is just about being topless, period. I don't care if you're Channing Tatum or, or you know, Dwayne The Rock Johnson or Rose Montoya. I just don't think you should be shirtless at, at, at the White House. And I think that's part of the issue and the way it was done. Zen, the music means they're kicking us both out of here. But let everybody know how they could listen to your show. Definitely check us out. Saturday night, 9 to 10 p.m. on 710 WOR, the voice of New York iHeartRadio. All right, folks, that's Zen Sams. Give her a follow at Zen Sams. 
Zen, thanks for being with us, folks. More to come straight ahead. A conversation on depression, mental illness, and the uptick on children that are going into therapy. Don't miss that. Coming up next. America, welcome back. And listen to this headline. It's a study that just came out. Pornography consumption is linked to serious health issues for men. They suggest that they might be more susceptible to eating disorders. I'd never heard of such a thing. I didn't even know guys got eating disorders. But we'll get into that in, in a moment. The, the story I want to get to right now is that 15% of U.S. children recently uh, received mental health treatment. And that's uh, an uptick that the CDC is reporting. And my question with respect to this is, is this a good thing or a bad thing? Like, so do we look at it and say, oh my gosh, all of our kids are, are seeking therapy for, for mental health? Uh, or do we say, thank God, mental health issues are being addressed by all of these teens that need the help and they're getting it. I don't know the answer, but psychotherapist Jill Robin Payne, as she's an author and a speaker and a frequent guest here, uh, hopefully has the answer for us. Jill Robin Payne, welcome back. Oh, thanks, Rich, for having me. So tell us, um, you know, your take on this, because I don't know how to take it. I look at this and I say, wow, um, you know, I know this comes on the heels of the CDC's big report that they issued earlier in the year where they said that right. mainly like teen girls uh, were in, in I'm going to say, I'm going to use the words, horrible shape uh, when it came to mental right. health and they were suffering from depression and anxiety and all these things. And, and I've seen it. And I have two teen girls. And I've seen their friends and I've just seen how life affects right. all of them. But right. when I look at all of this, I think, you know, I would hope that they're getting the help that they want. And I don't know if this 15% figure uh, is scary. Like, oh my gosh, do, do, what happened to the other 85%? Uh, or is it, thank God that there's 15% uh, that are getting the treatment that they need. Um, what say you? Well, so 15% of the kids are getting uh, treatment for their mental health disorders. Uh, it, there is an increase. They've even done studies. And in that article, it was saying that they have an increase in anxiety disorders. And a lot of these people are not <laughs> getting help because of uh, some barriers. The stigma, uh, depending on what culture you are, Hispanic, Asian, Black, uh, tend to not think uh, therapy is a good thing. So there's a higher percentage of whites that uh, come and get therapy. Um, also, right now, there's not even enough pediatric professionals. So, and, and then there's also a money thing. So 15% uh, that are getting it, there really needs to even be more people that are in need of it. So I'm going to say that it's a negative and there is an uptick in, as you were saying, your young girls. Uh, it used to be when, um, for suicide, it used to be that the boys would commit suicide and girls would attempt it. Now the, uh, they're, they're almost the same in percentage of uh, boys and girls committing suicide. So it's wow. an uptick in depression. Mm -hmm. 
And, uh, and a lot of this is because it's a disconnect where uh, if you don't, if you're doing this internet, whether it's uh, social media, uh, whether it's screen time, matter of fact, I was going to say that this has been going on so long in 2015 uh, a University of Houston here in Houston, they did a study and they came up with something called Facebook depression because people were comparing themselves to other people on Facebook and getting depressed. And so and then last year, there was something called back to school Netflix that I talked about on the news. And that was sl- a slang term for a noose, mean, meaning suicide by hanging because they were going back to school last wow. uh, fall. So this has been going on a long time. I'm glad that uh, there are kids getting treatment. There are so many out there though that need it. And uh, if you know, and and the parents are, they're taking the blunt of it because, you know, it's it's up to them to uh, watch and see how their kids are. Is there any change in their behavior? Uh, what's going on at school? As you noticed during COVID. Uh, 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 parents were finding out what was really being taught there and also that their kids weren't really learning. Uh, so a lot, a lot is going on and it's sort of a, a domino effect. It was happening before COVID. COVID sort of exacerbated it. And I'm glad we're recognizing it. I, I think this is something that we need to recognize because our kids are communicating a different way than we did when we grew up. And so mm-hmm. the way we did was I said hi to you. I looked at you eye to eye. I shook your hand. I might have given you a hug. Now they go online and they're constantly texting and getting this dopamine hit, a dopamine loop, but never getting satisfied, sort of like having sex, but never climaxing. And so it's sort of, there's, there's a lot of unfinished business. So that's my take on it. I do feel that there's some positives because uh, when you are uh, doing social media, it does keep you connected in a way. We just need to have a balance. And uh, they've already done studies on too much screen time, and that includes TV. It's just not healthy for you. Too much eating, too much sex. We just need to have a, a balance. All right. Now, Jill Robin Payne, psychotherapist extraordinaire. Thank you for, for that ex- explanation. And, and I want to <laughs> okay. delve. I'm going to get on your couch here and kick my feet up. Okay. Uh, because I feel like there's, you know, you mentioned something that I think is very real. But I think it goes beyond mm. stigma, right? I think people use this term stigma, and I don't think it's really stigma as much as people think it is. I really think it's ignorance. I think there's a lot of people that, and I can only tell you this as someone that has, I've had ADHD my entire life. Uh, I didn't know right. I had it until my 30s. Uh, so until I was in my 30s, uh, early 30s, I, I really thought there was something wrong with me. Now I know something is wrong with me, right. <laughs> but I know exactly right. what it is. And, and right. it was, it's fascinating to me because as an adult, you know, I, I see it and now I, and I've met other people and, and they're like, oh yeah, isn't it crazy when, you know, people look at you and uh, the idea of telling someone that, uh, and I think a lot of it, and just again, using my own example with ADHD, right. you know, I think right. the name is even poorly uh, associated with how this thing works. You know, some, some researchers say they should call it an executive function deficiency. 
uh, where that would make more sense. And and it does make more sense. Yeah. You know, right. it, it's like, go left, go left, go left. I hear it. I don't do it. I go right. Right. So then I go right. right. And, and yeah. people are like, what does that have to do with shaking your leg or being, you know, hyperactive? And they don't realize all, all of the. And I think that's what it is when people don't understand. And I'm talking about one particular issue. Imagine, you know, all these other issues that people have. So I think when people don't understand how the mind works, um, it, it becomes very difficult for them because for them, for so many people, it's, hey, listen, this is mind over matter. You're just making excuses. You're just being lazy. You're just this and you're just that. And for many people, they, they end up saying, well, no, 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 you're just, you know, you're, you're playing the victim. You're just, you're, you're, you know, you're, you're not uh, taking accountability. You're not being whatever. And I could see somebody saying these things to these kids when they're like, oh, I, I feel depressed. You know, I, I know my, what my dad would tell me, depressed, depressed. You don't know what depressed is when you grow up in a house with 12 <laughs> siblings. You know, that, that, that would be my right. dad's response to that. Right. And I get it because what does he know about that? He has no idea what mental illness is and, and how it affects people. So I think, right. you know, there might be a degree of this that's overplayed, but I think the majority of it is is underrepresented or undernoticed even by people because they don't regard it the same way. And it, it, rather than stigma, I just think it's it, it's ignorance. Do you think I'm onto something or am I just making stuff up? I, I'm, I think you're on to something because if people don't see it, they can't really understand it. It's just like God or something that is not, you can't really see it. And so think about it. If someone saw uh, a, a person and their hand was cut off and they were bleeding, you would run right to them. If somebody yeah. was majorly depressed, you don't see it. Now, sometimes you see it with their stance, the way they talk. A lot of times they hide it. And that's one of the issues also with these young kids is some of them will talk about being hopeless, but they don't really let you know that they're suicidal. So it's you don't see it. So therefore, it, there's nothing going on and uh, you don't see it. So then you don't understand it. So ignorance, I'm, I, I can go with that. All right. Well, we'll continue. I, I'm, I'm agreeing. Thank you. We're going to continue this conversation and uh, a couple of other things I want to add to this mix with Jill Robin Payne. She's our guest and we're coming right back. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-482-5337. That's Valdez with an S. Welcome back. We're on with Jill Robin Payne. She's a psychotherapist and the author of Bempathy. Make sure you check out that book and visit her website. Uh, listen to this. Pornography consumption is linked to serious health issues for men, according to a new study. Uh, the study was conducted by Max Stern, uh, who's with Yezreel Valley College, uh, along with researchers from the University of Haifa in Israel. And 705 men participated in the study, 
ages 18 to 68. Average age was 32. And roughly 68% of the men stated that they were heterosexual, with the rest identifying as a sexual minority group. Now, uh, given all of that, there's a, a bunch of interesting takeaways here, uh, not the least of which is the one that the headline mentions, that there's various health concerns that are coming out of the uh, study, um, including eating disorders amongst men who are uh, frequenters of pornography. And, and in one section of this, it mentions men who are frequenters of problematic pornography, which I don't even know how that's defined. Jill Robin Payne, welcome back. What insight can you shed on this with respect to problematic pornography? Because I don't even know what that is. Well, I read it real quick, and what I what I got from it is it's similar to uh, what women go through on social media, comparing their bodies to these uh, beautiful women, and mm. therefore then getting upset and anxious, cre- creating more anxiety, maybe getting them a little depressed, and therefore they want to numb their pain, so then they might go to food. So that's what I'm seeing here is they're doing it to numb their pain. Uh, but they're, what I'm reading is they're comparing, and, and I've talked about this to uh, clients before, and it sounds sort of weird when they're watching porn, the man sort of becomes the man. He, he puts himself, he looks at the man who's having sex with the woman, and he relates with the man. Living vicariously through the character in the film. There you go. Exactly. So if he's doing that and then he's comparing his body to that man and the man is bigger than he is or, you know, more well endowed than and, and slimmer and having ripples in his stomach, then therefore he's going to feel uh, not as good about himself and it'll increase uh, anxiety. That's what I'm getting out of it. Yeah. And, and I find the whole thing interesting. Uh, because, uh, I mean, I get it on that level. I get it on a lot of levels. Uh, the part I didn't, mm-hmm. I, I really didn't see the, um, the correlation was with the eating disorders or overeating or whatever it was, but the way you've presented it, it kind of makes sense there. And I think that's, you know, honestly, it to me, that seems like a blanket, right? For, for many issues, people drink themselves into drunken right. oblivion to get away from their pain because they like being drunk. And when you're drunk, you're happier, you feel numb and things are better. Uh, people eat or overeat because uh, the dopamine right. rush and they, they like, you know, some people like me, I like right. eating. I just, I enjoy food. <laughs> uh, and, it, you know, that's well, a real thing. Yeah. Go ahead. Well, and when you do, when you do eat certain foods, foods it increases your serotonin, you feel good, and then you want to eat those same foods again. So when people are stressed, they will crave things like carbs and not the best carbs. And so it makes you feel good because it's a chemical releases serotonin, you feel much better, then you get a downer, and then you want to do it again. So it, anything that, uh, you know, affects our pleasure uh, system, we, we, get, we can get addicted to it or dependent on it. So it, it just depends on your genetics. And so that's what happens when you like to eat. You feel good. Yeah, you know, I was thinking as you were saying that two things came to mind. The first one was, uh, you know, my mom was a terrific cook and she's gone to be with the Lord uh, many years ago. Aww. But I, I yeah. whenever I smell or taste uh, a dish that tastes the way she used to season things, typically in a right. Puerto Rican restaurant or if I go to uh, some Puerto Ricans homes um, that cook similarly, uh, 
I get very happy. I'm like, oh my gosh, this tastes just like the roast pork my mom used to make. And, and, uh, it's not because I'm stressed. It's not because of any, it just makes me feel good. It's kind of like a, a comfort of, of yesteryear or, a, a, you know, a, a home cooked meal that reminds me of, of my mom. And I, I obviously, I don't have access to that. It's hard to find that on a regular basis, right. but I could see somebody yeah. who could relate to that in a way, uh, saying, you know, when they're having a bad day, go, yeah, I need to have that. <laughs> I don't think it's accessible to everybody, but it seems like that's what they're describing. And I think that is not necessarily linked to pornography per se, but just to people who, who want to enjoy the comforts of food. So it, it, the study really didn't go into the type of men, uh, what kind of disorders they had, their background, all these things you need to take into consideration when you're doing a study. And so, you know, they could have a lot of anxiety uh, and then be when they're doing the porn, the porn is to relieve stress. And so therefore, when you're eating, just like you said, that also reduces stress. So it's it sort of coincides. They're very similar. All right. And if you think about it, Mm -hmm. I was going to say, if you think about it, when you're having sex, you like to eat that person. So, I mean, I don't mean to get (laughs) That's all right. It's so late it night. Is, we'll allow it. <laughs> it. But it is sort of this similar if you think about it. Interesting. Interesting. Uh, folks, we're on with Jill Robin Payne. Uh, she is a psychotherapist and the author of Bempathy. And uh, we're coming right back with her. And something you mentioned, Jill Robin Payne, uh, that uh, about this, this people that are just happy to c- consume more and more of what pleasures them. And uh, it reminds me of something I read just yesterday and we shared on the program, but I'd like to get your take on it. So we'll do that uh, straight ahead. Don't go anywhere. I'm Rich Valdez. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. All right, America, welcome back. We're on with uh, psychotherapist extraordinaire, as I like to call her, Jill Robin Payne. She's the author of Bempathy. And Jill Robin Payne, tell us a little bit about the book. Oh, about Bempathy? Uh, I've developed it, well, I've been developing it for the 30 years that I've been doing my therapy because I banter with empathy with my clients. And so then I just decided to call it something and we call it Bempathy. And it has six elements. It helps people to communicate and gets them to get over conflict so that they don't run away or ghost you. So uh, it helps you to communicate, to find connectiveness and feel safe and more in control. So that's pretty much it. If somebody wanted to get a copy or three copies of this book, where would they go? They would go to Amazon and it's, and it's there. And I would love it if after they finish it, they give me a buzz and, and ask me questions. And, and leave a great review. And also, if people wanted to yes. say, you know what, I love this Jill Robin Payne. She's terrific. I want to go to her office and put my feet up on her couch and tell her all my problems. Um, is there a website? How do they find you? 
also um, go to jillrobinpain.com or bempathize.com, and there will be an email, and they can get in touch with me. And spell out pain just so everybody makes sure they don't misspell it when they go to jillrobinpain.com. Right. I know. They might do P-A-I-N. P-A-Y-N-E. All right. That's Jill Robin Payne, pain with a Y. Jill Robin Payne, thank you for being with us. I appreciate it. It's always a pleasure. Thanks, Rich. Bye. You bet. Have a great weekend. All right, folks, there's more to come straight ahead with your calls. It's Open Phone America. I'm looking forward to speaking with everybody. 833, the number four, Valdez. 833-4-VALDEZ. We'll be right back. the city that never sleeps 17 miles from madison square garden new york city it's america at night with rich valdez america's favorite late night talk program featuring interesting guests from around the world and calls from across america and now here is your host rich valdez Hi there, good evening, and what's up, America? I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, your liberty-loving Latino amigo. Happy to have a conversation with you tonight. 833-4-VALDEZ is the phone number, 833-4-VALDEZ, if you want to join our late-night national town hall forum. And President Biden uh, is um, the butt of jokes tonight because, of course, he, um, he made a gaffe. Now, this man has been a gaffe machine his entire career but this one is really interesting given that this woman has already gone to be with the lord we're talking about the queen but joe biden referenced the queen ending a speech saying uh god, god save the queen listen to this and uh it's the least consequential part of this whole meeting for you i promise <laughs> all right god save the queen man <laughs> That's Joe Biden. Uh, God save the queen, man. Now, listen, I don't know where, where that came from. Nobody does. That's why it's being reported in the news, right? It wasn't like it was a speech uh, on the queen. It was very unexpected. He was talking about gun control, right? Friday night saying, God save the queen, man. <laughs> and this came after he warned the audience they could be liable for the actions of people who steal their cars. Uh, the 80-year-old president's sign-off uh, confused listeners, including journalists in the room at the University of Hartford in uh, Connecticut. Now, he uh, went on to say, uh, several of you, I'm sorry, not, not him, uh, but one of the quotes I'm reading here says, several of you have asked me why he might have said that. And Todd Gilman answered, um, I have no idea. <laughs> it's the answer that he gave. <laughs> uh, Deputy Press Secretary Olivia Dalton told reporters that Biden was commenting to someone in the crowd without further clarification. So, of course, somebody mentioned the queen, and he said, of course, God saved the queen, man. Oh, boy, I tell you, Joe El Baboso Biden, he's always so interesting. Then, of course, we have Barack Obama. Barack Obama always has something interesting to say as well. Uh, but that's just how that is. And, you know, I'm, I'm going to get into... Um, Obama, 
uh, in a moment. But I want to remind you, our phones are available, 833-4-VALDEZ. And I don't want to leave people holding too long. So before I go being a chatterbox, let me uh, check in with some of our listeners. Let's go to John in Vero Beach, Florida, listening on WTTB. John, welcome. Yes, it's always a pleasure to listen to the man that has such... There's no grass growing on a busy street. Uh, uh, <laughs> the, the underside of that has a tremendous, fantastic, uh, productive brain power. Uh, well, thank you, sir. You're a wonderful guy. Uh, I, I just wanted to it. make a comment with regards to you're quite, quite welcome. Uh, that wonderful uh, lady you had on there, Miss Payne, P A Y N E. Oh, yes. And, uh, uh, Jill Robin Payne. It's probably, it's probably a doctor. I'm not sure. But uh, anyway, uh, uh, I have a comment to make with regards to a lot of veterans. Uh, when you go to boot camp, it's drummed into you. You know, you just follow orders, never complain, never whine. So when you get out of the military, you think mentally you're still you're, you're not standing down. You're still a soldier at heart. So you <laughs> you don't mm-hmm. want to ever say anything to anybody and anything that's bothering you because you think you'd be less than a good soldier. You think you'd be a whiner, but it's not. Yeah. Right. So I yeah, that's, that's a great uh, point. You leave the military. You've been trained to, to you know, uh, to continue to move forward, to adapt, improvise, and overcome. And uh, now you're a civilian, and you have issues, and you're still thinking like a soldier when you should be thinking like a civilian. I, I get it, John. Yeah. Yeah. And at night, I would get these terrible nightmares of the blood and guts, and I would wake up and quietly slip out of bed and go out to my garage and work on another classic car until I was ready to drop. And then when I felt like I was get that all that blood and guts out of my mind, I would slip quietly back into bed and nobody would be the wiser. <laughs> you know, I wow. had different ways of hiding it. And uh, I, I never could, I never, uh, but my wonderful psychiatrist, Dr. Hewn, oh my God, Dr. Petro, Dr. Schwartz, Dr. Campuzano, if it weren't for them, I wouldn't even be here. Those wonderful wow. psychiatrists. So you were able to, to overcome that and figured out that working on the classic card so you're, falling on your face wasn't the right thing to do. And, you know, I've done stuff like that as well. I've realized there's not, you know, nothing comparable to serving in, in, on a battlefield or anything like that. But when I've had issues and things are in my head, I find anything in the world I can do until literally I'm like dropping whatever's in my hand, falling asleep, literally falling. And I'm like, okay, now it's time. Now I can go to bed. And it, it's, uh, it's a horrible thing when you can't fall asleep. Well, anyway, I just wanted to say God bless her and all those who help other people with the, their their thoughts, you know, they they don't give you the answers. They help you to find the answers. Yeah, and, that, and that's the real gift. You're, you're right, John. Thank you for your call. I do appreciate it. Uh, and and uh, thanks for your service and for your call. John in Vero Beach, Florida, WTTB. Big shout out to everybody out in Florida uh, calling in. Again, the folks, the phone number is 833-4-VALDEZ. Now, I also, um, we're going to get to, we have more calls coming in, but I wanted to just cover something on Barack Obama uh, because he, he was recently on David Axelrod's podcast called The Axe Files, and he had a lot to say, and maybe I'll play a few of these cuts, but right now I want to, uh, to play Obama uh, cut number seven, saying that race has always been a fault line in American politics. Listen to this. You know, suggestions that I might be uh, trying to impose Sharia law. Uh, you know, I don't know if that works, if it's 
Joe Biden uh, at the time. Yeah. Rather, I don't remember that meeting actually. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Right. So, so I, I, I don't think that there's any doubt that race has always been the fault line in in American politics, society, and culture. It, it was the first it, it, and the most powerful, the most elemental. The idea that that would no longer be the case once I was president yeah. was foolish, right? I, I mean, you know, change takes time and there was going to be some pushback. And look, by the way, it reflected a real reality, right? I, you know, if you, if you look at third graders in the United States, <laughs> the demographic there is really different than yes. folks our age. Yeah. And so the, the country is becoming much more diverse, much browner and, you know, that's going to be scary for, for folks who feel as if that means something's being taken away from me. Now, Obama is good at this stuff, right? If we take this is, I don't know, five sentences, maybe four. You know, it's a short paragraph what he says here. But he says so much. You know, he starts off saying that, that, that race has always been the fault line in American politics. Now, I disagree with that. I don't think that race is the fault line in, in American politics, and it has always been. I think that race was an afterthought for many people up until we elected the first black president. And then all of a sudden, race was uh, right in the forefront of everything for the next eight years and, again, the subsequent years, and it hasn't gone away since, right? It seems like we, we focus more on race today than we ever have at any other point in my lifetime. Now, again, I might be younger than some of you, who might have lived through Jim Crow and all that, but you're talking to somebody that wasn't alive for Jim Crow. So again, being born in the late seventies, I, we, I never had these big conversations on race other than the um, riots that occurred in Brooklyn, New York um, with um, in, in Crown Heights. That, that was uh, the big race riot of, of my time and, and Rodney King outside of that. And they were isolated incidents and, I'm, I'm never going to be the person that says racism doesn't exist. I mean, that's like saying, no, murder doesn't exist or, you know, child abuse doesn't exist. Yeah, bad stuff will always exist. But the idea that it's all over the place and that it's a, a regular thing, I, I would I would push back on that. And listen, I, I see racism uh, and I get it, even veiled and, and thinly veiled attempts. I mean, just just today or yesterday, somebody was commenting uh I, over the weekend, I I uh, marched with the Guardian Angels in New York City in the New York City. Uh, What's well, not New York? It's actually called the National Puerto Rican Day Parade, and it's on Fifth Avenue in New York City. It happens every year, and this bothered someone. I'm guessing a listener of mine because he follows me on social media, and his comment was again a thinly veiled comment. All he wrote was, "In America, we fly old glory." Now, it's interesting because nobody's holding a flag in the photo that I posted of me, Curtis Lewa, my buddy. Um, nobody, right? Somebody behind us was waving a Puerto Rican flag, as were, I don't know, a million other people. Uh, and there were, the buildings behind us had American flags on them. But I just found it fascinating that, you know, in life, if you have nothing nice to say, you say nothing at all. But again, you have free speech rights. And, you know, I say a lot of things that are not nice sometimes, so... I don't discourage you from doing that, but I try to use that rule of thumb for myself. But I asked him uh, in the comments in on the social media post, what was the point of this comment? In America, we fly old glory. Well, of course we do. 
But what does that have to do with my post about, you know, saying hello to everybody at the Puerto Rican parade? So somebody else chimes in and explains to him that, you know, the, the Puerto Ricans in question here are, you know, Americans and that Puerto Rico is a national territory. And his response to that person, not to me, never wrote back to me, but his response to the other person was, Puerto Rico's not even a state. We should be flying old glory. <laughs> and I'm just, I'm so lost here. Uh, and I'm thinking, you know, I questioned him again saying, do we have this conversation on St. Patrick's Day? when there are Irish flags and, and American flags with green lines through them and all sorts of things and shamrocks all over the place as we celebrate. And that's just one cultural celebration that I could think of. But having been to that parade many times in New York City, it was one that came to mind. And of course, the obvious answer is no, right? It, because it's a celebration of that culture and, and, the, and the contribution that uh, Americans uh, of Irish descent have made to, to the country, et cetera, et cetera. And, and, how appropriate or inappropriate would it be for someone who posts a picture at the St. Patrick's Day Parade to um, to write, it's America, we fly old glory? I, I just, I don't get it. I mean, old glory was flying, and people also had the Puerto Rican flag. And it just, it, it was, it, the point of the whole story is to show you that there are people, like Obama's saying, there are some people that feel that something's being taken away from them and that somehow the celebration of another culture or ethnicity is somehow an attack on your culture or ethnicity or on the country as a whole. And it's not, and it's never been right. These are, these are one's own insecurities, one's own um, ill held notions and, and feelings towards certain groups. And again, that doesn't mean all people, that means some people like this guy who couldn't think of another way to take a shot at me than to say it's America. You know, it's like the people, if they hear you speaking Spanish, it's America, speak English. Bro, you could speak English. I speak English all day. I get paid to speak English on a big radio show. I could speak Spanish too. I speak Portuguese too. I mean, p people speak lots of different languages. And, and I know it gets people mad when I use some Spanish terms on this program. And that's why I do it. I like to get those that it gets mad. I like to, 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 to ruffle their feathers a little bit. And the rest of you, I like to share uh, a little bit of my culture and my upbringing. So anyway, I just wanted to share that because I'm not agreeing with Obama here. I'm trying to point out how he does what he does. And ultimately, he ties in something that makes some sense with something that makes no sense at all. So when he says that race has been the fault line of American politics, no, sir, it has not been the fault line of American politics. I would uh, submit to you that it's liberty that has always been the fault line here and that when liberty is encroached upon, that's when we have a problem, Houston. When you don't have free speech rights or this right or that right or any of your First Amendment rights, this is when things go bad. So he's making this case that because the country is more diverse and what he says much browner, uh, this scares people. It does scare some people, but it doesn't scare the majority. The majority of Americans are wonderful people that don't hate you because you speak anything. They don't hate you because of your skin color. They love you just because you're people and you're Americans and most Americans are good people. And, and when Obama does this type of demagoguery, trying to pigeonhole people and, and use this fear mongering, I have to call him out on it. I've got another clip from Obama, and we're going to get to that straight ahead. Plus your calls, 833-4-VALDEZ, 833-4-VALDEZ. This is America at Night. 
with Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. Now, before I continue my uh, analysis and dissection on Barack Obama and his commentary, I want to go to our buddy Frank in Evergreen, Montana. He's calling us from uh, the land of KOFI. Frank, go right ahead, sir. Hi, Rich. Uh, I do like your summary of Obama. You really hit it well. Uh, Thank you. I'll let you continue later on the subject. You do it fine. Anyway, um, I was talking about, we were talking last night about transgenderism and and toilets and, you know, and uh, the rights to, you know, to have liberties and safety in bathrooms. But in Montana, we've got little places, you know, little towns with no uh, septic systems, uh, you go into a little tavern and uh, take a pee or whatever. You look down and it's just you're looking at a creek running underneath that toilet, you know. And you can see light shining through, and it's just it's wow. That's that's going into flowing into rivers, and and then there's mining tailings too. And then some of these are like in around Yellowstone, you know, and uh, uh, around. Uh, where they're doing that filming and everything in uh, Jefferson County. And my gosh, all that goes into the North Creek of the Yellowstone River. And then other other cities, too. There's pesticides, herbicides, and along with the Missouri River, and it all flows up by North Dakota. Uh, up there in the northeast corner of Montana, and then flows back down towards uh, St. Louis, where they make the beer. And my gosh, it's... Um, you know, we are what we eat and we drink, but I won't drink St. Louis beer, uh, uh, what I've seen. Anyway. You know, Frank, you bring up a really uh, interesting point that a lot of the, the mom and pop places uh, that you mentioned in Montana uh, have, you know, just these, these smaller bathrooms. And it's I'm going on a little bit of a tangent from what you were talking about. But uh, interesting point that um, like on other issues where people want to have these multi gender bathrooms, um, sometimes you can only have one bathroom, which is what I was thinking when you were saying that. And uh, with respect to the environment, um, you're right. These environmental, at least from what I'm gathering from what you're saying, these environmental issues, they tend to uh, forget about the little guys sometimes and realize that the, the issues that they're creating create issues far and wide beyond these big uh, cities like Los Angeles and New York, where they like to promote and test their theories so uh thank you for your call frank i appreciate it more to come straight ahead your calls and more 833-4-VALDEZ 
Valdez. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. see what's happening there. We do see businesses moving out for various reasons, but some of them saying they're concerned about the crime in the area. When you see that happening to your beloved city, what goes through your mind and, and do you think something's going wrong there? No, I think they're, they're struggling to recover from the pandemic. They're struggling uh, to come back. They're struggling with the, the, the macroeconomic shifts, particularly as it relates to uh, telework, as it relates to what's the future of a downtown is it stacking of offices or stacking of people. And they're in the process of rezoning and rebirth and reimagination. By the way, I've seen that in San Francisco for decades. All right. So which one is it? If you've seen it for decades, Governor Newsom, then it's it's a problem specific to San Francisco. If it's not rebounding from the pandemic, then why is it unique to San Francisco? I mean, yes, there are a lot of companies that didn't rebound rebound from the pandemic, but we're seeing people back at work in New York City. You're seeing people back in all these other big cities across America. Why not San Francisco? Why is it that the folks from Good Morning America find it so difficult to give a news report and and then have to add the caveat that they're afraid of going to San Francisco because things are so bad in San Francisco. Let's see if uh, we have that audio from uh, Good Morning America where they highlight the fact that they're reporting on San Francisco, but it's too unsafe to even be there. Listen to this. The mayor noting that several metrics of crime are actually flat or down, but it is worth mentioning that we are not at Union Square or the Westfield Mall this morning because we have been advised it is simply too dangerous to be there at this hour. So it's clear that there's issues uh, with respect to what's happening in San Francisco. And I've got a story I'm going to share with you about what one teacher was doing. And this is the real problem, right? It's that these woke, crazy politicians and the woke, crazy lefties that occupy these areas are, are making it uninhabitable. Everything is for for whatever minority. And I don't mean like a, a racial or ethnic minority. I mean, like, you know, they bend over backwards for heroin addicts when most people aren't heroin addicts. Right. And, and this is part of the issue. When you start bending over backwards to, for the exception and not the rule, you get all sorts of problems like this. And we're going to get to that momentarily. Plus, I've got some uh, Obama audio that I wanted to continue with. But we have a few people that want to weigh in here, and I don't want to keep you on hold forever. So let's go to Chuck calling from Columbia, South Carolina, uh, on the Rich Valdez America at Night dot com uh, live stream. Go right ahead, Chuck. Yes, well, it's a little off topic now, but this fellow that called in concerned about pollution from yes. small mom-and-pop businesses, There, there's a lot more going on than that type of pollution. What we're ingesting and eating out of our stores is far more dangerous, and such as the ham— that is sold in the U.S. that's banned in 160 countries. The European, there are at least 12 items that are banned in all of Europe that are sold in grocery stores every day. This is what our problem is and what we're raising our children on, and not so much as pollution of who feeding the river. Yeah, interesting point. I appreciate it. Chuck from Columbia, South Carolina. And you're right, it's... um 
it, 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 they make it about pollution, but it's not always about pollution. Of course, the, this environmental argument is not always about the environment. Oftentimes, it's about creating more rules, more power for more politicians. And, uh, of course, they want to sell something, whether it's making a deal with China, who has all the mineral mining rights for lithium and uh, nickel cadmium or whatever it was, that the other product that they use um, in order to to – to create these electric car batteries or whether it was Obama way back when, when he said we have to change to these different types of lights because, um, you know, again, the, the deals were cut. It wasn't always about the environment for me. Uh, I, I land on the, uh, the side that it's always about the economic impact and usually something that impacts them personally in one way or another. Chuck, thanks again for your call. I appreciate it. Uh, let us continue with our calls, let's go to Doc in Wilmington, Delaware, WDEL. Doc, go for it, my man. Yeah, want to give a sidebar to the election. I want to talk about the election tonight, about sure. what I'm hearing. We've had a turnover in the state Republican Party here. We've got a gal from downstate, which is very conservative. You know Delaware, you've been in the area. It's only three counties. Our northern, our northern county is like the rest of the Northeast moderate to liberal. Our two southern counties are very conservative. We've got a downstate gal who's head of the party. She's a Trumpster. And let's see who she's going to run for statewide office. That's not going to fly in this state. I'm hearing a lot of talk in Delaware as I, as I go around to the restaurants and pubs about Chris Christie in Delaware coming on strong from people that used to support Trump. And believe it or not, I'm hearing a lot of talk from people that used to support Joe Biden as saying he's too old. They like Robert F. Kennedy Jr., yeah, well, listen, this is exactly what we're going to see in a primary, Doc. I think you're always going to hear that. I, I don't know that Robert F. Kennedy Jr. is um, the most viable candidate, but I do know that he's definitely going to appeal to a lot of people uh, because he's younger than Biden. And, of course, he's running against Biden, not against Trump. Uh, I, I think in a matchup between RFK Jr. and and Trump, I think that she definitely uh, he, he definitely doesn't uh, win. I just don't see it happening. But um, I think he's definitely a spoiler for Biden and is going to peel off some of the votes that they need, because I think there are still a number of JFK type of Democrats that vote for Biden and they do it begrudgingly. They hold their nose and they're like, you know what? I, I, I don't like this guy, but, you know, nice Irish Catholic. This is my guy, Joe Biden. You know, he's a little weird, but he's not Trump. And, and so you have those Democrats that, that are, are opting for RFK Jr. as opposed to Biden. And uh, I think that only helps Trump in the end. Uh, they're not the same voter, but I think they're both anti-Biden voters ultimately. And that will help Trump is how I see it. But it, it's interesting. And I agree. Uh, I think he's going to continue to get traction. I, I know he just did. I think it was yesterday. I'm not sure if it was yesterday or the day before. But I know he just recently sat down with Joe Rogan on one of probably the most popular podcast in America the Joe Rogan experience. And that's going to, you know, really shoot his numbers up because people who've never liked politics, people who've never liked RFK Jr. are now going to have, you know, a two hour, three hour interview with Joe Rogan that is going to be all encompassing all over the place where they're really going to get to know the man. And as they get to know the man um, and see that interaction with Rogan, I think it's going to open their eyes and they're going to say, hmm. So that, I think that's going to help them uh, a lot, honestly. And I think he's going to continue to to move up in the polls. Right now, he's probably got the highest favorability of anybody that's leading in the polls, uh, including Trump. I saw a, a, um, one poll 
where he, he's, his numbers look better than Biden's and Trump's in terms of favorability. But then again, he's he doesn't have any political experience, right? He doesn't have a record to run on. So clearly people are going to say, yeah, I like him better because these two clowns, you know, I don't like Trump or I don't like Biden. Uh, so that makes sense to me because it, it becomes a non-binary option. But ultimately, I don't think people are going to, um, you know, in mass get behind RFK. And if they do and I'm wrong, I'm happy to see that happen too. It'd be great to see that kind of shift in American politics. I just don't see it happening yet. Thank you, Doc. I appreciate the call. More from the rest of you in America that are calling in. Thanks for the calls. Continue to hold. We're getting to you momentarily. 833-4-VALDEZ. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. it down. It's America at Night with Rich Valdez. I think the trans issue has, has come on as a more div- well, divisive issue in the context particularly of sports where right. it's also been weaponized uh, and issues around pronouns. I remember the first time I was on Zoom and all of a sudden I saw these different pronouns and that even took me, I was like, what's this? Mm-hmm. I didn't fully understand that. I think a combination of those factors, the weaponization of grievance and dehumanization that I see of politicians that are exploiting this, like Ron DeSantis notably, but not unique to DeSantis, have also exacerbated this. That's again, Governor Gavin Newsom doing his best to um, put himself in the best light. And I think he's doing a horrible job. Uh, he goes from talking about the trans issue and <laughs> making it seem like that's a good thing. I don't think there's anybody really in, in any large number that says, man, this is the best thing ever. It, it, the best thing ever is that we've got biological males competing against uh, girls in girls sports other than Gavin Newsom and those individual trans athletes. He's a clown. This is a clown show. Let's go to George in Topeka, Kansas, KMAJ. George, you're on with Rich Valdez. Go right ahead. Hey, Rich. How are you, man? Wonderful. Thank you. Hey, uh, I'll try to make it quick here. Um, so my late grandmother, uh, I'm 37, in the mid-90s, I remember her telling me she was a, um, at the time, she was, I mean, she was very progressive by the terms. And I remember her telling me, I always, always remember, as she said, you know what? There's a difference between men and women and how they're built and what they can do with their bodies. Women have a job. Men have a job. Um, and I don't mean that in any way, but it, it, I'm, I'm, I'm very confused with the narrative nowadays. I feel like I'm almost going crazy with the, um, the trans and it frustrates me, and I'm sure I'm not, I'm not the only one that feels like just because I don't think that 
men should participate in women's sports, it doesn't mean that I'm I'm a transphobe. Well, you see, that's where you go wrong, George, because they created this term of transphobe to describe somebody that disagrees with them. Right. If you don't think that a biological male should uh, compete against a biological female in a biological female sport, then you are a transphobe. You are a a xenophobe. You are this and you are that. And this is exactly what they do. And they bring that into Hollywood. They bring it into the media. They bring it everywhere. Not to go too far off on this because we don't have a ton of time, but I want to share this with you because it's a story that I wanted to talk about tonight where the Oscars are now changing the rules uh, because they have this ridiculous new diversity rule for best picture. In order to win best picture in the Oscars, you have to include... Uh, a a storyline and actors that make up uh, underrepresented group or at least 30% have to come from two or more of these underrepresented groups, women, ethnic minorities, LGBTQ, or the disabled. So just imagine that, right? You can't now win an award for a good film if you don't follow their rule. And if you don't follow their rule, they'll come up with a phobe name for you. That's exactly how they do it. Lamentably, that's what it is, George. And now you, a regular guy, just wants to go to work every day and thinks that men are men and women are women and boys should be boys and girls should be girls. Uh, Now, all of a sudden, you're the bad guy, George. Do you feel like sometimes, and and this sounds horrible, but I think the the ultimate answer would be uh, a highly, highly touted man coming over to women's sports and dominating and to wake people up and you, you want to say woke, it could woke, wake up the woke. <laughs> right. Like, you know, it's, it's we, a good we, point. We can't be that yeah. stupid. Yeah. You know, we saw something like this happen in, uh, the, I like UFC and, uh, in MMA, there was a, a male MMA fighter that crossed over to become a female MMA fighter, but he was clearly still built like a man, even though he identified as a woman and grew his hair out and whatever. And ultimately what ended up happening here is that um, in his first fight, he fractured his opponent's uh, orbital bone, you know, the eye socket, you know, cracking their skull. And, and, and nobody batted an eye. It was like huge gains, great victory for new trans athlete in women's sports. Uh, these things, um, I mean, again, if you're controlling the narrative, you're going to win every single time. And that's why we have need voices like yours to keep speaking out. Have a good night, George. Thank you so much. Big shout out to everybody in Topeka, Kansas on KMAJ. The rest of your calls are coming up right now. Uh, I'll give you the phone number, 833-4-VALDEZ. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. America at Night with Rich Valdez. And we continue with Open Phone America. Let's go to Roseburg, Oregon, KQEN. Let's go to Raymond. What's up, my man? Hey, Rich. Um, I've just been thinking a lot about the 2020 election still, and the particularly when um, when they thought it was over and Trump 
he told Pence not to certify the electoral votes, and Pence still did. And I was always just kind of wondering um, what would have happened if Pence listened to what Donald Trump said. Well, I think what would have happened, and again, I don't know because it's untested, right? They, they don't have any, uh, any um, precedent for, for this. But I think what would have happened was Pence would have said um, the states that have electors that are in question, right? Because it, it, was, it wasn't Trump that was questioning this, nor Pence, per se. It was the actual state legislatures that were saying, uh, no, we, we, are, we, we want to issue a new slate of electors. So uh, I think it probably would have ended up in the Supreme Court, but it would have been, uh, I'm guessing it would have ended up being a state's rights issue where the states would have had the final say because the Constitution in Article 2 uh, says that it's the state legislatures, not the governors and no, nobody else, but the state legislatures that um, dictate the time, the place, and the manner of, of elections. So that makes up who the electors are going to be as well. And, and that's the, I think the case law that they would have gone to, uh, but nobody would have known. And I think this is why Trump was saying, he wasn't saying to just not count them. He was saying, you know, send them back and let them send what they want to send from those States. And we don't know what will happen because he didn't try to do it. And it had never happened before, but good question. And, um, interesting outcome. It might have been thanks for the call from Roseburg, Oregon on KQEN. Let us continue with Abrams in Montauk, New York. Abrams, go right ahead. Hi, Rich. Can you hear me? Loud and clear. Thanks. So I'm talking about back, I mean, kind of past story now, like the coronavirus. We all talked about the origins. We had, Now, do you think there's some suspicions there, first off? Or do you think the government gave us like the true story? I don't know. I, I never I always question what the government tells us, uh, you know, with uh, I take it with a grain of salt. Back back when I first, because I'll tell you this, I believe when I watch the news first, like I believe it. But what happened that changed my mind is right when I first moved into my neighborhood, Asian fella was coughing right before this whole thing starts. Like, and I asked him about it. He pretend like he don't know what's going on. I see. All right, you're cutting in and out, Abrams. Uh, but thank you for the call. Um, I, am not sure where we were going with that one. Um, a little puzzled there, but, uh, yeah, there were lots of people I think that were sick at the end of December and, um, uh, continued to be sick all throughout 2020 into 2021. And it was a crazy thing. I'm glad it's behind us. Uh, let's see, what do we got here? We've got, we've got 40 seconds. Let's go to Pat in Sedona, Arizona, listening online, Rich Valdez, com. Pat, go right ahead. Boy, I got 40 seconds. Here we go. Hey, uh, David, how about we give a big cheer out to all those kids in California that say, get this crazy nick and poop transgender stuff out of our schools. We are kind. We are nice. We accept, but we don't want it jammed down our throats. Excellent point, Pat. And you know what? I saw a story this week where kids actually were pushing back against this trans stuff, and they weren't being so kind. <laughs> they were being a little bit rough, but there's clearly a battle, uh, a culture war, and it's spilling into the kids. They're saying enough is enough. We don't want this stuff being pushed upon us. Anyway, thank you, Pat. Big shout-out to you in Arizona. Take care, good night, and God bless you. Until the next time, hasta la próxima. I am Rich Valdez. Thanks for tuning in to America at Night. 
The Bigger Pockets portfolio of podcasts are worthy of your investment. We're having a real conversation as real real estate investors. New episodes available every day. It's important to buy where it makes money and not necessarily where you want to travel to. Bigger Pockets on the market, rookie real estate or money podcast. The purpose of flipping is to create more cash so then you can reinvest into other types of properties. The Bigger Pockets podcast on YouTube or wherever you listen.